0: Readers, we have a special episode today because it's our anniversary. The first episode of What Should I Read Next aired on Tuesday, January 12th, 2016. Our guest was Jamie Golden. Her favorites were Persuasion, Me Before You, and 112263. She hated ghost Settle Watchmen, and I recommended The Man in the High Castle, A Man Called Uva, and Bel Canto. For the record, she enjoyed them all. We have 61 episodes behind us now. We've talked all things books and reading in every one what we love and what we hate. In 52 of those episodes, guests have told me three books they love, one book they hate, and what they're reading now, and I've recommended what they should read next. I get great recommendations from this podcast from the guests and from you, the listeners every week. But as the host of the show, I've never sat in the hot seat myself until today. For our anniversary, we're doing this special episode of What Should Anne Read Next? So you can hear me talk a little more at length about what I love and maybe what I hate and why. And so I can awkwardly refer to myself in the third person.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number.
0: A few weeks ago, at the end of episode 59, I shared with you three books I love, one book I hate, and what I was reading at the time, and asked you to tell me, by voice message or by email, what I should read next. Today, we get to listen to those responses together, which I'm about to hear for the first time. And that's possible thanks to one of our What Should I Read Next producers, Brenna Frederick, who is joining me on the show today. Here she is. Brenna, welcome.
2: Hi, Anne. I feel like I'm at home already. I feel like I've been here before.
0: Well, You have been here before, but not with an audience.
2: Just been sitting here lurking. (laughs) We're glad to bring you out behind the
0: curtain. That sounds kind of Oz-like, but we'll go with it. Okay, so Brenna, you've worked behind the scenes now on something like, this number surprised me. It was like 30 episodes, but this is your first time to actually be on the show. It's good to have you.
2: I'm really excited. It's going to be really fun. There are We have so many fun things to get into this episode. I want to talk fast because I cannot wait to hear
0: these. So I thought it was really clever to have everybody send everything to you so I couldn't sneak peek. But
2: also, I'm ready to hear. I feel like I'm sure you've been just like sitting on the edge of your seat waiting. I felt it's been it's been fun thinking like Anne is so excited to hear these and she doesn't get to hear them yet. (laughs) I've felt sort of mad with power. (laughs) I hope there's going to be a payoff. Oh, oh! there will be. Are you ready to dive into all these favorites of yours so we can get to the recommendations? I am ready. I'm prepared. All right.
0: What was your first favorite? The first favorite I shared before, because like everybody says, like, give me 100 days and I could share 100 different favorites. <laughs> okay, so book one I chose was Gods in Alabama by Jocelyn Jackson. And this is contemporary fiction. It's not super old. I listened to this on audio, which was amazing. I highly recommend doing all Jocelyn Jackson's books on audio. Uh, Good story. Well told. Not at all what I expected. It's about a sensitive subject matter that was handled really well, although I would never in a million years listen to this with my kids in the car, given the ages there were. Yeah, that was book one. What do you want to know?
2: I looked at the Goodreads of this and The first the first line in the Goodreads is for 10 years, Arlene has kept her promises and God has kept his end of the bargain. And I feel like just on that, I would read this book. I don't I don't need to know anything else. Well, go sales team who wrote
0: that copy. Well, see, (laughs) that made me wonder if it was going to be like a cutesy kind of book. And this is definitely like this heroine has got some moxie. Mm -hmm. But okay, well, good. I'm glad that sounded good to you. That's definitely yeah. descriptive of what happens in the book. Because mm-hmm. see, something happened back in Alabama a long time ago. But when the story opens, Arlene, which is a protagonist whose name I wouldn't have chosen, but somehow by page 30, it totally suits her, is settled in Chicago and has created a life and she is never going home. But of course, something happens because that's how novels become novels. <laughs> that is that is what makes a novel. So you have your inciting incident and the ball gets rolling. And about the time I figured out I knew what was happening another 50 pages later I realized I had it all wrong so
2: I always enjoy that in a book that's really nice in a book when it takes you somewhere you don't expect it to go and you just that you would never think of when you picked up the book
0: yes but it wasn't left field it was well drawn you still didn't see it coming but
2: you go oh it was good did you (laughs) a a rewarding moment in reading Okay. Uh, so you often seem to pick books that have sensitive subject matter, but that, that depth of emotion that sort of carries you through the sensitive subject matter, interesting. would you say that's a, a huge, I think it's a huge pattern in the books that you recommend? That is
0: very interesting because I tend to shy away from a lot of sensitive subject matter. Okay, here's how I feel about um, hot button issues. I really, really hate it when they're put to use for like as a cheap trick. You know, Mm -hmm. I I think I use the word gimmick a lot on the podcast. I hate it when authors use a hot button, inflammatory, you know, very clickable, readable topic just because that, you know, it's like the literary equivalent of clickbait. Like if you're going to go, if you're going to go big, like you have to deliver.
2: Like they use it as a, like it can be used as a shortcut to having a a big impact instead of really developing that impact and the emotional backstory and the sort of the support. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And also, I want
0: to see that sensitive topic handled well, or I'm going to either stop reading or feel terribly scarred. And I don't really Mm -hmm. want to do either. I want to pick a book that's worth seeing through. And I don't want to regret reading it.
2: It seems like you want a book that sort of takes care of you while it takes you through that issue.
0: I like that. I like that way of putting it.
2: (laughs) All right. Should we get to book two?
0: Let's do it. Book two was A Great Reckoning by Louise Penny. And this is the kind of book I would never recommend to somebody on the podcast because it's number, I think it's number 11 in a series. So here's what I said before because I actually I think I tell people this like every day of my life. I love this mystery series by Louise Penny. It starts with still life, which is on the slow side, but really good. And in books two and three, the writing is a little stronger, but the plots are kind of weird. They're murder mysteries. And the murders in two and three are both a little bit like raise eyebrows. That's kind of icky. Like, I don't know about this. Book four, she totally hits her stride. The series takes off. We introduce this big, like mega overarching uh, corruption plot that we are still really working with in book 12 that came out this past year. So I was waiting for this one to come out for a long time. And there's always the risk that when your expectation Are too high, you're just gonna be disappointed. But this one paid off, which is a term I just keep using today. (laughs) What I like about these novels is Penny says that she didn't really set out to write murder mysteries, but she did want to explore human nature. And it just kind of worked out that writing this kind of plot turned out to be a really good way to do that. So she has a lot of really interesting, well-developed characters.
2: And I just, I want to read everything she's ever written. Do you want to hear something very exciting? Yes, yes, I do. And I think the listeners will find this exciting as well, is that so many of the recommendations that we got for this episode are based on your love of Louise Penny. That makes me very happy. So many.
0: She's not going to have another book coming out until at least next August. And that's if she really hooks it.
2: Oh, we're going to fill that gap then.
0: Awesome. I can't wait
2: all right ready to move on to book three
0: i'm ready this is funny because my husband actually mentioned this book is one of his current reads that he's really enjoying on last week's episode and it is deep work by cal newport and here's what i said when i talked about this before um the subtitle is rules for focused success in a distracted world I really like books that give you a peek behind the scenes, that give you a new perspective, that help you see your everyday things in a new way that I didn't previously anticipate or understand or even consider. And I'm not a huge fan of the productivity genre, like lots of writers telling you how to write more, how to do more, how to whatever, more and better and whatever. That just gets a little bit old. Like the TED Talk is often better and that only takes 15 minutes, but (laughs) this book showed me things I didn't know before and inspired me to really act on them. And I do feel like, uh, well, first he did the topic justice. Like I really enjoyed So Good, They Can't Ignore You. I really enjoyed that book by him. But the writing was it was very clearly a guy with good ideas who wanted to write a book because the ideas were good. And the writing was good enough, barely. <laughs> but and I don't mean that to sound like I'm just trying to be descriptive, not mean, sure.
2: it was good enough to get on your favorites list. So
0: well, that's so good they can't ignore you. But Deep Work, the writing, is oh. so much better. Like, he's been writing for a lot longer. I think he's a computer scientist or something. So Thoughtful Prose is not his, you know, that's not what he has to do. But I thought the writing was really good in this one, so which made it just a more enjoyable reading experience, not just something I felt like I needed to slog through to get the good ideas. But something else I really love is when a book sticks with me and I find myself just completely you know my thoughts are wandering I'm walking the dog I'm like oh remember what Cal Newport said in that book I read six months ago I really like it when a book stays with me in that way long term and that's how I feel about this one like I'm still constantly talking to people about the ideas and saying hey have you read this because he talks about that thing you're referencing here about how you feel you're distracted and you wonder what you're doing with your life on a you know regular Monday morning are you really doing what you need to be doing and I think oh remember what Cal Newport
2: said, let me tell you about this book, Deep Work. And I love it. When a book does that. <laughs> okay, the time has come for the book you hate. And I think you told us when, uh, when you were calling for submissions for this episode, you told us that you hate talking about things you hate on the podcast.
0: I do and here's why on the internet this is harder because I started blogging about books before I started talking about books and I haven't measured the uh the mention effect of how it works on a podcast but when I throw a book name on the blog people remember that I mentioned it but they don't remember anything else and this is like I do this too like this is just a human nature oh. thing so they'll remember seeing something like I don't know give me a book brenna any book Gone Girl. Okay, they'll rem- that's a good one. Because <laughs> I didn't like Gone Girl. So uh-huh. what I see all the time is I can put up a very nuanced review of Gone Girl that says, here's what you need to know. This is what I thought. You might like this if. Go for it. And then I'll, people will tag me on Instagram that'll say like, oh, Ann Bogle recommended this and I was so excited to read it. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I'm really leery of talking about um, any books I don't like in general, because I'm so afraid that I'm going to mention, um, okay, I started a book Saturday night, I had to go through like cartwheels to download. It's not out yet. And the publisher was using a uh, kind of digital file delivery service that I hadn't used in four years and completely forgotten. I even had an account until I tried to sign up and they told me my email address was in use. So it took me half an hour to get this book onto my device. And then I started reading and 20% of the way in, I was like, I really hate this and I'm not going to read another page. And I was so excited about it too. I liked a previous book by the author and the description sounded amazing. So I know this is a total tease. But if I told you right now or if I posted on the blog and I told you that whole story, I am certain there are people who will see that in a bookstore when it comes out. And all they will remember, because I do this too, because we're humans and this is how our brains work, all we will remember is I saw that. Modern Mrs. Darcy. I heard about that. Um, What should I read next? So even though you can be super nuanced about what you hate, I would much rather that book stick in your mind as something I loved and I'd be happy you recall when you're at the bookstore instead of something that's going to make me cringe when I see you share a photo on Instagram that says (laughs) you picked it up because of me and I'm wracked with guilt.
2: I have a question now. Oh yeah, let's hear it. On the podcast, do you ever recommend books to people as part of their three recommendations that you didn't like that much, but you think they will like?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. So W.H. Auden, he has his five possible verdicts for any adult reader. And one of them is I can see that this is a good like this was well done. This is objectively a good book, but it is just not to my taste. And sometimes on the podcast, I mean, lots of times on the podcast, readers will tell me they love books that I know are objectively well done, but aren't to my taste. So not every book is a match for every reader. And just because it's not a match for me, it doesn't mean you're not going to like it. And sometimes it's very clear because of what people say they love that a book that I didn't
2: love but can see was well done would be a great match for them. So yeah, reading is personal. I'm sure there are people going to the bookstore then and picking up books you hate and saying, Anne Bogle recommended this because that is what you did. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, but I don't I wouldn't feel guilty about that at all. That would be fine. It's objectively a good book and maybe it's not to their taste. And we've probably I've probably recommended books to people probably even on the podcast that objectively, like might be kind of eyebrow raising books, but like, are they good fun and perfectly purposely... like one of Auden's things is I can see this is trash, but I love it. And he says that's totally legit. Totally fine. Just we should
2: we should just... all have those books. We should maybe a little trash, but they're great. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. All right. Well, let's stop leaving everybody in suspense. What is the one book <laughs> you chose to hate for this episode? Well, it wasn't worth all that that
0: build up for this book. So <laughs> since since we're taking pains to try and be nuanced, but seriously, people mm-hmm. listen, listen, which column this is in. Okay. My hated book. I hate to say hate in a title in the same sentence, unless we're having coffee. And we're mm-hmm. having that that conversation. That's so much fun. My hate is love loss and what we ate by Padma Lakshmi. So first of all, this is, I love that title. Love it, love it, love it. And what I said before and repeating now because it's so true, this wasn't a bad book. People like this book and it's well-rated too. And I talked to people who have really thoroughly enjoyed this book. I gave my copy away to someone who loved this book, but it's not for me. So this goes back to just a matter of taste I went through a spurt this fall and this winter reading memoirs that I did not enjoy. And I'm finally starting to see like, oh, these aren't a bunch of bad books. This is a pattern like I don't like this type of memoir. And I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but I'm not, I don't have good odds with enjoying memoirs that were written pretty recently after the events that have happened. So they're very fresh in the author's mind. They're not looking back wistfully over years with like with the wisdom of experience and reflection. These memoirs have been written by people who are not writers. Sometimes they've been written with professional co writers. That is completely fine like no fouls there but the point of each memoir has been to tell a really interesting story the person has gone through an interesting experience and Lakshmi's her story interesting she's a top chef judge she's a supermodel um, I don't really know anything about either of those two things which is another reason why it wasn't for me probably and she was married to Salman Rushdie for a while also very interesting so I'm learning that when it comes to memoir I really like the ones where the writer can step back and give the big picture view and really explores why the events they were writing about were significant and what they mean, not just this happened.
2: That's so interesting. You also seem to have a taste for a sort of investigative uh, memoir. So someone goes and has an experience and writes about the experience and they go into the experience knowing they're going to be reflecting on it. I feel like I hear a lot of recommendations from you that are like that where pe- people are intentionally sitting down and introspecting about something that they went through
0: that is true but i don't talk about a lot of books where the person does that because it feels super i need to try an experiment to get a book deal <laughs> and then i need to write about it <laughs> no matter what so i think you're right but that's not necessarily i mean that's not a guarantee that it's going to pay off let's come back to that term I can't stop using
2: let's move on to what you are reading now which as I understand is probably different from when you recorded before
0: right well I think that's the same for most of our guests because if you ask a reader what they're reading in a moment in time and they're the kind of reader who wants to talk about books on what should I read next that current reads stack is constantly replenishing itself so What I was reading at the time was Garden of Lamentations, which is the new novel in Deborah Crombie's Duncan Kincaid and Gemma James series, which I'm always recommending to people who are just desperate to read something while they're waiting for the new Louise Penny novel to come out. I was reading Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, and I still am. Um, I've been moving steadily through that, but it's a long book and I just haven't, haven't gotten there yet. And I'm still listening to Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage as a reread.
2: All right. Do you want to get into these recommendations? Yes. Yes. Oh, but first we do have to thank our sponsors first. We have to wait a minute. All right. Let's do that
3: Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Say
1: hello to a new era of mental health care. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: All right, time to get into these recommendations. Okay, so first let's go to an audio recommendation from Fiona.
4: Hi, Anne. This is Fiona from Sydney, Australia. I am so excited to give you some recommendations. My first recommendation is based on your love of a good story that's been well told. And for this uh, book, I've chosen Divided Kingdom by Rupert Thompson. And it tells the story of the United Kingdom and how it's been changed into four different areas. And each of these areas is assigned a color. So there's a red, a yellow, a green, and a blue area. And people are given, um, a test and based on their personality, they are assigned to an area, a quarter that they need to live in. You don't have a choice. You can't change quarters. You can't travel between quarters. Um, you are assigned to that quarter based on your personality, which I think you would really enjoy. Um, And the story takes place about, it's specifically about one man and he lives in a slightly superior colour quarter and he goes on to, on a conference to a different quarter that he's never been to. And through some experiences, he finds out what life was like before this big division and he goes on a quest through all four colours And I think you would just really be tickled by this um, book because it is a very fast-paced plot-driven novel, but just really interesting to see how things could just be changed in a different way. Um, I had to go through my archives. This is a 2005 novel because I wanted to find something that you hadn't talked about before. And this novel has really stayed with me for a long time. And I think it would stay with you too. And I hope you enjoy that one. My second pick for you um, falls into the mystery genre because I know you enjoy Louise Penny so much and I have chosen an Australian book for you. This one is Picnic at Hanging Rock by Joan Lindsay. It's a bit of an old one. It's a 1967 novel and it was made into a movie in the 70s. This book tells the story of some schoolgirls that go on a picnic. It's set on Valentine's Day in 1900 and the girls go on this picnic with some teachers, and it says on the book, and some of them never to return. And that is the mystery. There's lots of conspiracy theories on the internet, so do not look at those before you read the book or watch the movie. This book is really important in Australian culture because I feel like lots of modern books and movies and culture and dance refer back to um, Picnic at Hanging Rocks. So I feel like it's a touchstone for us. And so to be able to understand modern culture, Australian culture, you need to be able to look back onto this particular book and movie. Um, and I say that they're both excellent in their own ways. So read the book, watch the movie and be fascinated by this mystery. And then someone has written a follow-up book to try and explain the mystery. So you, you can look up that one as well when you're finished. I hope you enjoy these recommendations and thanks for listening. Bye.
0: Oh my gosh, those sound amazing. Fiona, I'd love your accent too. That makes an Australian novel even better. Okay, so I have never heard of either of those books, which is really interesting because obviously I am not Australian. But I might have thought that I would have heard of a book that's so important in Australian culture and referred to so much like Picnic at Hanging Rock. Brenna, have you heard of either of those? No. And I'm really surprised okay. as well. I would have I'm glad it's not just I, me.
2: <laughs> I would have thought that I'd have heard of Divided Kingdom before because it sounds like something a lot of my friends read. What I think so interesting is
0: she said it came out in 2005, but it sounds like the kind of book that's being written today that parallels current events so well. Yeah. like It reminds me of like Underground Airlines and the Underground Railroad and that I feel like we're seeing a lot of that lately and Divided Kingdom sounds like it could just go on that same shelf in the bookstore with all those books I just mentioned. Yeah, I love it. It's so interesting. And it looks yeah, short that's, too.
2: that's almost Picnic at Hanging Rock sounds like a two for one. It sounds like a good mystery. And then also a book that gives you insight into something that you didn't know about before. Like it, apparently it's a touchstone in Australian literary culture, apparently. <laughs> so you get to learn a little bit about that too. Yeah,
0: uh, I'll take her word for it. And yeah, those both sound amazing. This episode is going to be so dangerous. I hadn't thought of that till just now because I'm already yeah. getting a little whiny about, oh, my books to read. Oh, I have
2: so oh. many. And like, what what do I think is going to happen here? More Your TBR say. is about to capsize. <laughs> <laughs> so our next recommendation comes from Stacey. Uh, she wrote to us and said, my Rec is a memoir. I totally get what you're saying about memoirs that are maybe a little too tight, so I thought of Kate Braystrip. She's written several memoirs, and I recommend starting with her first, Here If You Need Me, A, St- a True Story. Her backstory, which is not the focus of the book, is that she was widowed when she had four children under the age of 10 and went on to become a chaplain for the main game warden service. Her story deals primarily with her life of providing solace, comfort, and spiritual guidance, and how this is informed by her own past. It's a little sad, as some of the stories she tells from her work as a warden are pretty tough, but overall, it's inspiring and uplifting and makes me want to do more with my life. A world away from the current spate of celebrity memoirs and more along the lines of Carrie Egan's On Living or Barbara Brown Taylor's Leaving Church.
0: Stacy, that sounds amazing. And kind of terrifying because there was a time when I had four children, less than 10. And so, of course, my brain go because reading's about building empathy, because you can imagine <laughs> yourself in somebody else's shoes, and Uh-oh. those shoes are horrifying. But I'm pulling it up on Goodreads, and it seems, I know I've seen this cover before, but I wouldn't, I didn't recognize the name of the title. But now I'm thinking everybody's read this but me. So, and everybody loves it, apparently. So that sounds really good. You can talk me into it in email or social media, or the the (laughs) podcast comments, because what that sounds like is one of those books that I'm glad I've read once I come through. Mm -hmm.
2: But it also it does sound like the focus of the book is not the the widowing. It sounds like it happens after and maybe one of her other memoirs is about the widowing interesting
0: but see the thing so- is when it starts that description off i want to put my fingers in my ear and go
2: oh. la, 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 la. <laughs> well i hope other people have read it and they can convince you in the comments
0: there are it's just a big line of five stars five stars five stars oh here's a four <laughs> star five star five star five star oh boy okay i do i do okay um encouragement to be brave appreciated i do like the sound of that
2: so megan or megan i'm not sure uh, wrote in and gave us a book flight Oh, I love it for you about food fun. So she recommended a work of nonfiction and a work of fiction. The first is, in her words, a memoir that's not based on a stunt. (laughs) (laughs) You get me, Megan. Just talking about Uh, eating my words by Mimi Sheraton is a memoir about a former food critic for the New York Times. It begins when she is retired and looks back on her journey. As someone who loves food and is fascinated by most of the industry, and especially being a critic, all of that free food, it was a fascinating read, definitely worth the $1 I got it for at a library book sale.
0: (laughs) I love the Ruth Reichel memoir, Garlic and Sapphires, Ah, where she talks about her time writing about food for the New York Times. So
2: that sounds very promising. Oh, I could read food memoirs all day. I think I could too. The fiction in this book flight is The Coincidence of Coconut Cake by Amy Reichert. It's a lighthearted read about a food critic in the Midwest who inadvertently falls for a chef he reviewed. The plot is fairly predictable, but the descriptions of food were so good, it made me want to hop on a plane while I was reading it.
0: So I actually recommended this to Kara Strickland back in episode, pre-episode 20, and I might have called this one of the books that I recommended to people, even though I didn't personally love it. However, well, at the time, I didn't love it for the reasons Megan Mm -hmm. say. Like, I just thought it was super predictable and um, that my... Nine year old could have written the plot. However, I find myself thinking about that book and actually recommending it on a regular basis. And it makes me want to, just because what she says about the food. And it's set in the Wisconsin town of, help me, Brenna, do you know? It's not Madison. Ooh, ooh, I. Milwaukee. I don't know. It's set in Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee. I knew nothing about Milwaukee. I didn't know Milwaukee had a food scene. And a cheese scene, certainly. <laughs> yes. And that's one of the things in the book. I know there's a, there's a lot of cheese curds, but it's not just cheese curds because that would be a little bit cliched. But <laughs> I guess I knew a little bit about Milwaukee and it was only the cheese. Yeah. So it was predictable, but that's not, you're not reading it because you want the dry. You're reading it because you want a feel good novel about food. That's very atmospheric. And I really, yeah, I've, this is one of those books that I was surprised to see. Stay with me. So Megan, I've read it and I would have told you a year ago or two that I didn't really love it. But, you know, I kind of do like it now.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like maybe you liked it a little more than you thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. It's funny how you don't always know when you're reading something the Mm -hmm. effect it's going to have. I mean, you know, the effect it's having on you like that night or that weekend, but you don't know if that book is going to matter to you the tiniest bit in a year.
2: So and sometimes the oddest books end up being the ones you recommend the most too. Right. So they just true. seem like they translate to lots of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Very true.
2: Okay. This recommendation comes from Helene. Helene says, Since Anne loves Louise Penny, I think she could enjoy books by Swedish author Camilla Lockberg. Her crime stories also take place in a little community, a small Swedish town by the sea, among a bunch of engaging people. More ordinary, though, than Penny's figures. The main character, Erica Falk, is a young author married to a policeman. She becomes regularly involved in her husband's investigations to his utter discontent. (laughs) They meet in the first book, The Ice Princess, and one of the charms of the series is to see their family and children growing from book to book with very realistic and often funny descriptions of their overwhelming everyday life with little children. Two caveats, though. It's a book in translation, and I don't know if the American translation is a good one. But the translation of the first book in the series from Swedish into French wasn't good, and it didn't prevent me from enjoying the story. One of my friends who is a university professor was so caught up in the story that she didn't even realize the translation was bad. (laughs) Second caveat. Like in many Scandinavian crime novels, the investigated crimes are much more horrible than in Louise Penny's books. But please don't let yourself be repelled by that. It's only an author's trick to instill tension at the beginning of the story. She doesn't dwell on horrid descriptions. I'd read that. Yeah, she really sold that. I've never
0: read anything by Kamala Lockberg, although I do. I mean, I one of the bookstores we go to on vacation, Sundog Books in Seaside, Florida, it has a whole shelf devoted to Scandinavian crime novels. And by shelf, it might actually be a whole bookcase. So I've seen these before, but I've never picked them up. But yeah, that's persuasive. Okay.
2: The next recommendation comes from Allison. Now, Allison recommends the Claire Ferguson and Russ Van Alsteen Mysteries series. I know nothing. It's by, ooh, it's by Julia Spencer Fleming. There are eight books so far in this series set in upstate New York. Uh, Reverend Claire is an Episcopal priest, and Russ Van Alstein is the local police chief. We see the same characters grow and mature over the course of the series, while the crimes spotlight various societal issues of the day, such as PTSD or immigration. Spencer Fleming has won the Anthony, Agatha, and Macavity Awards for her mysteries, and I binged on the entire series last winter, some on audio and some in print. Okay, that sounds good. I would totally read that. However, between Kamala Lockberg
0: and Julia Spencer Fleming, we just added like 5,000 pages to my TV list. <laughs> I'm thinking eight books, oh. 300 pages times two authors. Yeah. Okay.
2: okay. We should have scheduled, We should have scheduled the anniversary to happen right before a vacation. <laughs> we should have. You could just take I a t- giant stack to the beach and just stay there for two weeks. Like two years, at the right two years. Yeah. Uh, Allison had another recommendation. really short. It's called The Listening Life, Embracing Attentiveness in a World of Distraction by Adam McHugh. I really like that one. What does she say about it? She said the key question McHugh addresses in this book is how would our relationships change? And how would we change if we approach every situation with the intention of listening first? That's all she said. And I feel like that's all you have to say. I think
0: that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I like his stuff. That was a good one. And it just, it came out, I think, early last year, but it just won an award. I think it was in um, A Christianity Today, one of their categories for the, oh. the year-end roundup stuff we just went through, which I was excited to see because I thought it deserved
2: it. It sounds like one of those books that might end up cut coming up in your mind in your daily life.
0: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I still think about, he has a chapter about the spiritual discipline of the long walk. And I think about that all the time when I feel like I'm going, you know, like if if I don't get 30 minutes of quiet, I'm going to lose my mind. Like it makes me <laughs> think of Adam in that chapter every time.
2: Okay. Our next recommendation is from Kim and uh, she's from Portland, Oregon. And this is so specific. I got so excited when she uh, emailed me. She said, I would like to suggest a nonfiction book for Anne. It's called Submerged Adventures of America's Most Elite Underwater Archaeology Team by what? Daniel LeNehan, Right. So Lenehan and his team of National Park Service Rangers, their unit is known as Screw, Submerged Cultural Resource Unit, have researched underwater artifacts in wildly varied locations, from Micronesia to the Great Lakes. They have seen pirate ships, the HL Hunley, and the USS Arizona. He writes eloquently about the challenges, dangers, and thrills of diving, the joys and frustration of preserving artifacts, and the bonds of friendship that develop within their group and with others who share their passion for diving and preserving history. I discovered this book years ago when my son and I volunteered at our local library sorting the items that were returned through the book drop. In the days before podcasts and Goodreads, this was a great resource for finding books, movies, magazines I wouldn't otherwise have come across. And this book is definitely one of my favorite finds.
0: Okay, so I can almost hear myself recommending this on the podcast, even though I haven't. Like, this is one of those fascinating books you had no idea that you wanted to know about this weird, obscure topic. Also, just looking at the description, I think my son would
2: adore this book if he's old enough for it.
0: He's 13, is he old enough for it?
2: I mean I, I I don't know it sounds like it wouldn't get like dirty <laughs> it doesn't sound <laughs> It's just diving right how how bad can it get Yeah
0: and he's not into uh di- well by by association, I've read a lot of this kind of book, and it's not that he's into diving, but he's into the shipwrecks you find when you dive. Sure. So, uh, you know, like the Titanic, the Lusitania, all the ones I can't remember the names of because I'm not quite as obsessed as he is. But yeah, that that is that is not one I would have found. I love the way she found it. That's such a great story. Yes,
2: it sounds like it's it's already like a mother son read. I you think could, so. I could think follow so. Following Kim's following Kim's footsteps. Our next recommendation is from Holly. There are so many contenders, but this came to my mind first and has never been discussed by Anne or any of her guests. Yes, I've listened to every episode. And yes, I checked Anne's Goodreads to see if she'd showed them. (laughs) (laughs) Holly, you did your research. Uh, And Holly recommends Far, Far Away by Tom McNeil. Oh, I don't know this one. If you read the description of this YA book, you'll be turned off and will put it off for far longer than you should. (laughs) Luckily, it was a local book club pick, and I had enough people that I respect force it into my hands and say, read it, that I overcame my hesitations. I'm picking this one for you because it's surprisingly charming and definitely unexpected. I thought I knew how it would end, but I was very, very wrong. It also deals with sensitive subject matter, but didn't offend my HSP, highly sensitive person sensibilities. I loved the ending, appreciated the fairy tale illusions, and have found myself recommending it to so many other readers. So far, no one that's read it has been disappointed. I'd categorize this as one that didn't or doesn't get as much praise as it deserves. All right. I like the
0: sound of that in the general (laughs) category of...
2: She tells us nothing about the book. (laughs) And I still want to read it.
0: Well, I think some books sound really, what I hear her saying between the lines is some books sound really terrible when you start describing them. And I imagine this is one of them.
2: I love, I do. I do love that when a book is strong enough, someone loves it enough that you don't actually have to know anything about it.
0: And I kind of like being told, don't read the flap copy. Don't read the reviews. Don't read anything. Just start reading because you have to be pretty confident to tell somebody to do that with a book. But Also, it keeps me from like hemming and hawing about like, well, I don't know about this description, you know, like when I'm deciding what to read and I'm just handling all the books going, hmm, which one do I want? Like weighing and looking at them. I wouldn't do that with this one because of what she said.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? This next
2: recommendation is from Claire, and Claire says, I was really hoping to have an excuse to recommend this book to you, and I'm so glad you gave me one. It's a gorgeous memoir called Come to the Edge by Christina Hague? Hog. I'm not sure. It's about her five-year love affair with John Kennedy Jr., but it's also a love letter to the theater and to New York City and an exploration of a faith journey. She writes with thoughtfulness and elegance and with a wide angle lens. You said you missed in a lot of recent memoir.
0: Interesting. I've heard of this, but I didn't know very much about it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I also love that um, she knew what book she wanted to recommend and was hoping yes. that it matched up. So she's that's been, been a good sitting sign. waiting for this moment. Right. When you have <laughs> the book, that's a really good sign.
2: Thank you, Claire. <laughs> Okay, this next recommendation is from Sue, who lives in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is where this book is set. Oh, fun. Uh, She says the book is We're All in This Together by Amy Jones. This is a beautifully written debut novel that begins with a family matriarch going over Cacabeca Falls in a barrel. What? (laughs) (laughs) There are laugh out loud moments and where are the tissues moments. It's simply a great read. I highly recommend it.
0: All right. That sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you, Sue.
2: (laughs) You had me at barrel, (laughs) Sue. Exactly.
3: Hi, Anne. My name's Danae, and my recommendation for you is As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride by Carrie Owens, who plays Wesley and the Man in Black in the film. Uh, It's a really interesting memoir that he... uh, both re- wrote and collected anecdotes from other cast members and the director of the film. It's a very interesting backstory into Princess Bride and the making of it. And I thought it would be a good choice for you uh, based on your love of memoir as well as seeing an interesting side to something maybe you didn't know about before. And if you do choose to read this, I 100% recommend the audiobook version as Carrie Owas and a lot of the other contributors narrate their own portions of the book. So it makes it, in my opinion, at least five times better. So I hope you enjoy it.
0: Okay. I like the sound of that, Danae. And I also like how she said that it is five times better on audio, at least. That I is keep... true. Yeah, that yeah, That is true. I have read this and I listened to it on audio, and that is absolutely true. Okay. So you've read this um, yes. because I can't ask Danae follow-up questions. So <laughs> I've seen The Princess Bride. I'm not like a huge fan who has every line memorized still (laughs) is it still a fun read
2: i think so yes because um even if even if you're not uh, just a super fan it also gives you a look into how movies are made and how, how something gets from a because as you wish is a book adaptation so it it takes you from someone loved this book someone wrote a script for this book Someone got the script in the hands of someone who would produce it, and then they made all these right decisions to make the movie what, what it is. And there's some happenstance. There's some smart choices. There's just the right actor falling into their lap. Um, it, it, I thought it was really interesting. And there's also first-person accounts from many different people, not just Carrie Elway's, that really sort of made it for me that there were all these different... Opinions. There's also a couple opinions that sort of clash, I think, in the book or or alternate viewpoints of how things panned out. And I thought that was just really interesting. So, yeah, it, it gives you sort of a peek behind the curtain, I think,
0: okay. Is it really weird that what I'm thinking right now is I love the West Wing Weekly podcast that gives you a peek behind the scenes. Ah. the show I'm watching. so it's pretty much the same thing, right? Sure. Why yeah. not? Why not? Why not? That sounds <laughs> that sounds interesting. Hey Anne.
5: this is Rose Booth back from episode 34. What should you read next? Well, you didn't mention what you wanted to change about your reading style, so I'm going off your favorites. And you love Southern Story, a good Southern Story apparently, and you also love mysteries. So I would recommend a cozy mystery series, which may seem a little ironic because I know you don't talk a lot about cozy mysteries on your show, but I think everybody needs to find a good cozy mystery series that they can cleanse their palate in between the heavier reading that we, most likely all of us, do. The series that I want to recommend to you is The Darling Dahlias by Susan Wittig-Albert. It's set in the fictional town of Darling, Alabama in the 1920s, and it features a, a, a group of women called The Dahlias who are members of this garden club and they solve the mysteries that occur throughout each of the each of the books. What I love about this series is it's not really completely fluff and it's not very it's not as predictable as other cozy mysteries and I like that because it holds my attention. So it's a very well, well-told story and it also appeals to that historical fiction side which you helped me uncover. It is set, of course, in the 1920s, and you, you listen and hear about people that go through um, the Depression and how they adapted. And I say you listen and hear because I've read all of these on audiobook, and listen to them there has been amazing. I love the historical references they, they relate to, and even down to the cost of mortgages in the 1920s. And I love the fact that they refer to Governor Roosevelt, which I think is is kind of comical. But it's an interesting uh, tidbit when it gives you uh, the accuracy of history at that time. So I love the way the author tells the story, develops each of the characters, and I think you would really enjoy it. So I think that's what you should read next.
0: It's so fun to hear Rose's voice again. I love talking to her on the podcast. And we're in the same town too, which is fun. And I don't read cozy mysteries, not as a rule or anything. It's just not something in the in the progressive tense. It's not something I read. But I, I love the sound of the series. I love the sound of Governor Roosevelt. And Hmm. I only know Susan Wittig Albert as the author of A Wilder Rose about uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder and her daughter.
2: Oh, is
0: that the same person? Yeah, it is. It's the same person. And I didn't realize she'd written this series. But if Rose recommends it, I will certainly give it a try. Our next
2: recommendation comes from Lore. She has a French name, and I, I'm just not going to do it justice. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, she says, the first one is one of my favorite French novels, Hunting and Gathering, from Anna Gavaldá. It's the story of four characters who, despite their many differences, become flatmates and end up becoming friends and achieving great things together. It tackles anorexia, creativity, food, aging. It's a little bit sad at times, but the ending is great. I read it in French, my native language, and I hope the translation is up to it. Anna Gavaldà is a very popular author in France, and she is one of the reasons why Stoner from John Williams has become popular again. She translated this book in French. Oh, fun.
0: Okay, well, this is a new title and author to me. I'm not familiar with Anna Gavaldá, but I love stories of unlikely friends. And I love the idea of branching out into a French novelist that's new to me. Also, I'm looking at Goodreads right now, and a whole bunch of people have rated it very highly. A whole bunch of people that are my Goodreads connections. And the second person on the list here says, it reminded me of Amelie Poulain. Love the movie. So oh. I, I love the movie, too. So that sounds, if I needed um, an extra little push, that's it.
2: Mm -hmm. And if you want to read a book in translation.
0: Oh, that's a good point.
2: Yep. And she actually recommended another book in translation, if you'd like to hear that. What's that? Uh, A German book, a very special year from Thomas Montasser.
0: It's Montasser, because I was a German minor in college, Brenna.
2: Oh, oh. But the description, she says, it's a book about books and how a very modern business student ends up falling back in love with literature as she takes care of a small bookshop with her aunt oh, for a yes. year. Stop. Okay. No, I mean seriously. <laughs> right? What else does she say? But,
0: but she says uh, it's a delightful
2: good. short novel for all book lovers. She read it in German to improve her third language, and she hopes you do the same. Okay. Can I read it in English first? That might, I mean, that might I,
0: be a really good idea. I give you permission. <laughs> I give you permission. I wonder how hard it would be to track down
2: a German copy of Ein Ganz Besonderes Jahr. I think that sounds great. So our next recommendation comes from Susan, and she says, I am not a fantasy fan. So when someone recommends a fantasy book that I actually like, it's usually a good sign others will also like it. This is first in a series, the third of which being released in February, and is titled The Bone Season by Samantha Shannon. Shannon is a 20-something, and I think it says something that Andy Serkis picked up the film rights for the series shortly after the first one was released. She does an amazing job of world building.
0: I've seen these at the bookstore, but I've never read them.
2: Oh, let me tell you, Booktube has been destroyed by this book, (laughs) this series. Everyone's reading it. Everyone. Or has already read it, actually. So I'm the last person to know. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know. I
0: see what you mean. I'm looking on Goodreads. and Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Everybody. The, the first thing Goodreads is showing me is that Max of Well Done Books, who was on the podcast 15 or so episodes ago, gave it four stars and calls it Remarkable.
2: Ad- adores this series. He does.
0: Yes. All right. Sounds good. And I don't read a lot of fantasy. Um Again, in that present tense, just not the groove I'm in, but I would like to read a little
2: more in 2017. So this sounds good. All right. Our next recommendation comes from Ronica and Ronica recommends they thought they were free by Milton Mayer. Oh, I don't know this. Mayer or Meyer, Not sure. Mayer was an American Jew who went to Germany in the early 1950s and talked to average German citizens to discover how Hitler rose to power is very interesting and insightful given our current political climate. I think it's out of print, so you may have to use interlibrary loan to get your hands on a copy, but it is worth it. Okay, so
0: this is reminding me of a class I took, in ger- of a German course I took in college oh. where we had to read... All, all the literature from World War II in German, which oh. was fascinating, Whoa. but also made me feel like, uh, I don't know if I should be allowed to talk about these things, reading it in a second language that I'm only minoring and not majoring in. But yeah, takes me right back. Okay, that sounds really interesting.
2: So I also have a recommendation. But first, I want to uh, make sure the listeners know, Anne is hearing every single one of the recommendations that you sent in all the audio, all the emails. I'm going to f- hit forward on so many emails as soon as we're done recording and she's just going to be buried and i'm sorry ann your tbr it's it's never going to be the same that sounds kind (laughs) of scary
0: but mostly awesome
2: oh it's it's going to be like book christmas book christmas i like it all right so i have a recommendation because you promised i could and i went a little sideways with mine oh fun let's hear it you said that I, you, I know you like memoirs that dig deep into sort of long-range perspective of small stories in a person's life. And then also what you like in nonfiction is a peek behind a curtain of something that you don't, that either you wouldn't think about or something that changes how you see something in your everyday life. And this book, I think, will hit a taste bud that's right next to those. The book is called Significant Objects, 100 Extraordinary Stories About Ordinary Things by Joshua Glenn. I just read this um, on the face of it. Significant objects is a collection of very short fiction stories by 100 different authors of various levels of fame. So uh, we have like Colson Whitehead and Meg Cabot stories rubbing shoulders with like authors who have little to no name, name recognition. It, it, it really runs the gamut in this book. There's there's a lot more to this than just being a story collection. It's not just, you know, short stories. in in between two covers. The curators of this collection orchestrated it as sort of a quasi-anthropological literary experiment. And the hypothesis was narrative transforms insignificant objects into significant ones. So what they did was they purchased A lot of 100 small sort of insignificant objects from thrift stores or dug them up in people's attics. And each object was paired with an author and each author was tasked with writing a piece of fiction in whatever form, genre or style they wanted, which would be used as the eBay description for each of these items. And then they auctioned off the insignificant objects and the results are cataloged in the book. So each page spread has a picture of the object and the price, the author's name and the piece of fiction that was used as the description. And it is fascinating to see how an object that they bought for like two bucks, it seems worthless. You look at the picture like, how does this how would this inspire a story and see how they would then sold for about like one hundred and fifty or fifty dollars on eBay because the story woven around the objects gave it value to the people who were bidding.
0: Okay, Brenna, how did you find this book?
2: That's the best part. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I asked. I I was having one of those, you know, when you just go in the library and you browse the shelves and you look for things that you've never, that you wouldn't necessarily pick up or nobody's ever mentioned. Uh I just grabbed this randomly off the shelf because I liked the spine and significant objects intrigued me. And I really like thrifting. So like paging through it, I was like, oh, there's all these weird little useless things in here that people are writing something about. I didn't even I wasn't even clear in the fact that it was fiction, to be honest. I I don't know something about it called to me. I picked it up. I didn't know if I'd read it because I often check things out that I don't end up reading. And I just got so sucked in. And I've recommended to I started recommending it to people even before I finished it. I will say my elevator pitch for this is that it's the absolute perfect toilet read. (laughs) Because none of the, none of the stories are more than a page long. And some of them aren't even that. All right. I'll try that. That sounds interesting. Okay. Well, it sounded interesting to me when
0: I thought you were describing a book that was a little less social experiment and a little more anthropological. Because (laughs) I really like stuff like that. But the social experiment stuff, it seems like
2: people either love it or hate it. I am happy to give it a try. I think that even without the social experiment part of it, it's fascinating to see how sort of mundane objects can inspire authors to write something that, that nobody else would think of. Like nobody else would look at this rabbit figurine and think about the sort of magical realism that a child has in their mind about this rabbit figurine. Like that's, that's the story that goes with the rabbit figurine and also in telling that story we put value on the, on the object, like an object that nobody would really look at carefully. As soon as the story is there, it's worth something. And it's, I think it just speaks a lot to how, how important narrative is to humans in general, and and, and how we build like our values often around narrative. That sounds great. I think, and scary. Should I keep saying that?
3: (laughs) Hi, Anne. This is Lauren from Olympia, Washington. And if you haven't yet read *Cold Sassy Tree* by Olive Ann Burns, I think that you should read that next. It's set in a southern town, um, a little bit um, earlier in the 20th century. I want to say, like the 30s, the 1930s. And it's about this family. The matriarch of the family dies right away. It's not a spoiler. And the her husband just a few days later marries this much younger woman and it's the it's the story of how this family deals with the repercussions and they're also, you know, socially how, how people talk about them and also um, just trying to figure out what this, the actual story is because the grandfather isn't really giving anyone his reasons for why he married this woman so soon after the death of his first wife. I think you'll like it partly because of the Southern thing. You mentioned that you like Jocelyn Jackson, Jocelyn Johnson. I'm sorry, I can't remember her last name, but it has a Southern flavor and it really goes into the details of human character, which I, which I think would appeal to you. And while it isn't, a heavily plot-driven book, it doesn't get boring. There's always something else happening, something else coming up, and it's told very well. So it is a—I do think it's a character-centric book as opposed to a plot-centric book, but its it doesn't drag. It's still really interesting. So I hope that you choose to read this if you haven't, and I hope that you find lots of good books. Thanks. Bye.
0: Okay, Lauren, so I might be wrong, but what I think is that my mom really liked Cold Sassy Tree wow. and that a few other readers I know have been telling me to read that for a long time and I never have. So I feel like this is a little push to read to read something that's been on my list for a really long
2: time. Not to, not to pigeonhole it as a mom book, but it sounds like something my mother would like actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. We should get our moms together. Oh, yeah. Just uh, have a mom episode of the podcast. A mom episode, Actually, you know what? That might be fun.
0: That would actually be fun. File me. it away.
2: <laughs> Our moms can become best friends. Sounds good. Hello, Anne. This is Tara calling from Wisconsin. I have a pick for you based on your favorite Gods of Alabama. I haven't read Gods of Alabama myself, but I have read two other books by the author and enjoyed them very much. Based on that, I would like to recommend to you Fanny Flagg's books on audio. She reads her own books herself, and she has a delightful voice with a soft southern accent. What you'll get with her books are contemporary southern stories. Some of them are more modern. Some of them are a little more old-timey, but they are wonderful, wonderful stories, and they are an absolute delight to listen to on audio. Hope you enjoy it.
0: Thank you. Okay, so I have actually never read any Fanny Flag ever. But I've been thinking about it ever since an author friend of mine, her name is Lisa Patton, told me a completely delightful story about Fanny Flagg this past summer. And about how like, not only did she really admire her as an author, but she was really just a genuinely lovely human being, which is nice to know that the people writing your books aren't jerks. I really enjoy yes. that just knowing that even though you could debate, like, does it really matter? Does it not matter? I really like knowing that they're really lovely people. And it never occurred to me how much of what she wrote was already squarely in my wheelhouse, because I just thought of it as being I never seek out Southern fiction on purpose, usually. (laughs) So yeah, somebody tell me where to start. I'll give that a try.
2: I think this place most people start with, Fanny Flagg, is Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistled Stop Cafe.
0: Yeah, but if you're starting in 2017, is that the one you start with? This is my question.
2: Um, She has one that came out really recently, I think. I'm really interested. In, I haven't read her books either, but I have several of them on my list because I love the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. I love the movie Fried Green Tomatoes. It's so good. It's okay, so good. Let's, yes, there's one that came out uh, in 2016 called The Whole Town's Talking. So you could start there if you wanted to. Change it up. I think I might. I like the sound of that. Okay, and that was a lot of titles we just threw at you. I don't know how you're going to narrow this down to a, just a couple that you're going to read right away. But what do you think you're going to read next?
0: Okay, you can break this down psychologically. Because <laughs> I think I want to read the last one I heard. I think I'm going to read The Whole Town's Talking. And then I want to read Divided Kingdom and The Darling ah, yeah. and the one about the picnic and Camilla Lockberg. And the one about the bookstore, and then maybe You're just I'll read all the I, know, I know, I know,
2: I know, <laughs> I know, because I want to read them all. But I want to start with Fanny Flag. Everything I've heard about her is that she has a very sort of warm and charming writing style, and she has like a little bit of a an edgy sense of humor. So it sounds to me that sounds like really good winter reading. You know, it really does. I'm in the south, so it's not going to get too cold. That sounds
0: reassuring. It makes me feel safe and cared for as a reader comforting yeah yeah we won't go below 11 degrees where we are <laughs> where we are now well this was fun thank you so much for being me for a day so Absolutely. I could. and thank you listeners for all the wonderful book recommendations and for listening to this for a whole year i really appreciate it it's been so much fun today and all year
2: the listeners make it brenna thanks for coming on thank you for having me
0: all right we'll do this again sometime Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed today's special conversation. It was so much fun to listen to all your suggestions and I can't wait to dive in. Please head to the podcast site to let me know what you thought of today's recommendations and to share your additional recommendations for what I should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 62 and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. If you've enjoyed the show over the past year, the nicest way you could tell us would be to pop over to iTunes and leave a review. Please take two minutes and go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes to share the reading love. That's whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle that is Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag me on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Anne Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.